Friends, now is not the time to step back, be silent, be intimidated. No, now is the time to stand and speak. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, hope you're doing well and are blessed today. This is Michael Brown. Great to be with you. If you're not doing well, you have tuned into the right place right now. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. But a quick word, as many watch this on different networks at different times and listen by podcast and on delayed broadcast on radio, if you're not listening live between 3 and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, then You can call that number, but you won't get on the show. You may get on somebody else's show. But for everyone listening, watching live, 866-34-TRUTH. A little later in the broadcast, I want to talk about our oneness as a human race, our commonality as a human race, the fact that there is ultimately one race and that we have beautiful diversity, that we have differences and distinctives by race and ethnicity and culture, and yet we are one race all of us in our different shapes, sizes, and forms created in the image of God, all of us fallen, fallen, all of us in need of redemption. I'm going to get to that a little later. I want to encourage our true unity, not glossing over differences, not looking away from justice issues, but focusing on our true unity. All right. I have a new article titled, The Cancel Culture is Losing Its Mind. We have been tracking for you how crazy things are getting. And every day they get crazier. I could literally write a new article every day and not cover everything that's happening in this crazy world around us with cancel culture seeking to dominate, seeking to silence, seeking to intimidate. And what we cannot do is cower. We cannot hide. We cannot withdraw. We cannot be ashamed of what we believe because the ridicule is getting more and more extreme. We need to speak up. We need to speak out with love. Yes. With wisdom. Yes. With compassion. Yes. With grace. Yes. But we must hold our ground and speak or we will be swallowed up by an angry and even increasingly violent culture. Here, let me give you some examples in recent days. These are all within the last few days, so maybe a week old, but all very, very recent events. Uh, Breitbart reports, Miss Swimsuit UK has been stripped of her title after posting the message, All Lives Matter, on her Facebook page. Now, Miss Swimsuit UK, the organization, had expressed strong sympathy for Black Lives Matter. And she posted something and said, yes, U.S., last year there were nine unarmed blacks that were killed, but there were 19 unarmed whites that were killed. And she was saying, all lives matter. You say, well, that's insensitive. That's, that's not recognizing historic black suffering. Whatever, fine, fine. But you don't strip her of her title. This is the insanity of the cancel culture. You do not dare express a dissenting position. This is what she wrote. Yes, what happened to George Floyd was wrong and unforgivable. But so is what happens to many other people of different races 
in similar situations. If they don't get to protest, loot, take over social media, create a day for their race, or even raise $10.3 million in aid of the person who passed. The majority of crime and deaths regarding black people is called by black-on-black crime that happens in America. Now, you might have a laundry list of issues with that, and you might say, look, the majority of white crime is white-on-white crime, and it's all within communities and so on and so forth, and, and I don't like the comment, and she said, right? you, you could have all kinds of objections, or you could say, hey, I understand her point. Either way, you don't strip the person of their title over that. These days, you do. You do. All right, how, how about this example? Policemag.com reports this. Uh, two officers were ambushed and killed. One 39 years old. Two officers knock on a door. They were called there. Guy behind the door is waiting for them, shoots them through the door, and then takes his own life. So it was a setup. It was an ambush. They were killed, and then the shooter took his own life. So the 39-year-old policeman left behind a 16-year-old daughter, Savannah Chavez. And this is what she tweeted. Six, 16 years, 16. Her dad murdered in cold blood while seeking to be an officer of the law. She said, words cannot describe, describe the pain I'm in, but I'm glad my dad is at peace. You're an amazing man, and anyone who ever came across you knew that. She said, I'm going to miss you so much. You died doing what you love most. You died a hero. I love you, daddy. See you soon. And then hashtag blue lives matter and a heart. What? What? She dared say blue lives matter? She dared take away from the BLM movement? What? She dared misappropriate a slogan? After all, her father was not born blue. That was his own choice to be a policeman. There's no such thing as a blue life. She came under such attack, she deleted the tweet. Six, 16-year-old girl, Hispanic on top of it, whose dad was just killed in cold blood. And you're going to attack her for saying blue lives matter? For saying, hey, don't forget about the cops like my dad that put their lives on the line. Don't forget about them. Don't forget about all the good cops out there. Their lives matter too. You're not, you're not allowed to say that. And there's, there's not enough understanding and etiquette. Of course, no etiquette in social media. There's, there's not enough restraint that people have to not attack a 16-year-old girl for tweeting about her dad. This, this is the, cancel, the cancel culture is ruthless. Ruthless. <clears throat> How about this? Zerohedge.com reports. Facebook deplatformed a former employee who questioned the standard BLM diversity narrative. Patrick Shu, not sure how to pronounce his last name, A-S-H-Y-U, who also worked for Google in the past, had claimed in a video that, quote, diversity policies were creating more problems than solutions. So here is an Asian American, and he's fired from his Facebook job initially, and then Facebook deplatforms him, deplatforms him. All of his, everything he had on Facebook for years, gone, disappeared. Every connection, every contact, gone, disappeared. And then YouTube shadow banned him. He's got like 770,000 subscribers on his tech site on YouTube. He gets shadow banned. So this is behind the scenes, basically restricting views and trying to hurt you and hinder you in different ways. And, And this is what he says on his YouTube video. Listen to this. So for 10 years, I said all great things. And then one time I say something that you may not necessarily like, 
that you disable my entire account and I lose access to all of the past 10 years of information and data I had. So for 10 years, I said... Yeah, and there's no explanation, he says, no appeals process. So 10 years, they like what he says, great. And then he, he says one thing they don't like, gone, canceled, removed, all your stuff. I, I mean, picture you, you, you're, you're living a certain place, you put all your belongings there, and then all your records there, and all the family photos there, and someone doesn't like something you do, and boom, they get rid of all of it. That's what happened. Appeals process? <laughs> What's that? Who are you appealing to? The very people that came against you. Saying, saying one word. Don't think. Well, it hasn't come to me yet, so I'll just play it safe. No, don't play it safe. They don't try to get in trouble either. Don't be foolish. But speak when you need to speak. Make your view known. And the moment you think, oh, if I say this, what the consequences might be, that's when you have to say it. Don't you think I deal with that every single day here on radio and every single day live streaming on Facebook and YouTube? The moment one of my videos is posted on YouTube, the moment it's posted, if there's one word in the description at all or any, anything that could possibly be controversial, instantly it gets flagged. Now, for the most part, YouTube has been approving my videos. In other words, they, they have not been demonetized so that if, if millions and millions of people were watching videos, that that would bring in a certain amount of, of income to the ministry so we could post more free videos for you and things like that. That's why we do it. It's, it's not a lot of money. I mean, you have to get views way beyond what we're getting, but still it helps, and we put it right back into doing what we're doing. So, yeah, it matters. It's helpful for us to monetize the videos, but we don't think, well, if we say this, it won't be. No, we speak the truth in love. We speak the truth as before God, and then let the consequences have, let the chips fall where they may. And just the other day, uh, it's actually over the weekend, we posted an excerpt of one of our videos, one of our radio shows, where I was answering questions from a gentleman from San Francisco called in, great spirit, asked me about my views on quote, Christianity and explained why I felt the way I did. So we pulled that, we excerpted it. The moment it was posted, before anyone even saw it live, just privately, had one view, the moment the word gay appeared, instantly it got flagged. Instantly it got flagged. Now, it was reviewed and it was approved. Okay, great, but either way, we know day and night we're going to say things that don't get approved, that don't get monetized, and that could get us in hot water. We seek to honor the Lord and speak what is right rather than live all bottled up and compromised and squeezed into a little corner. There's no way to live. Let's, let's go a little further. Uh, John Gray, emeritus professor at the London School of Economics, gave this perspective from the UK. He said, today... We're no longer living in a free society. He said, instead, we're ruled by those who try to enforce their extreme views by shaming and ruining those, uh, shaming and ruining those who think differently. He said, it's not far-fetched to compare the methods of this woke movement to those of Chairman Mao's Red Guards who terrorized the Chinese people half a century ago. And then, giving some examples in the universities, he said, critical race theory a sub-Marxist ideology in which white privilege is invoked to explain all kinds of injustice is increasingly being taught as part of decolonizing the curriculum. He said, indeed, no subject is immune from this re-education campaign in our schools and universities. Academics at Birmingham City University have proposed that Mozart be eliminated from music, eliminated from music teaching and replaced by the rapper Stormzy. Eaton College has announced it will change the teaching of history, geography, religion, politics, and English 
along with school assemblies and societies, in order to ensure that, quote, decolonization is enforced across the board. You know how crazy it gets with the cancel culture and eliminating offensive terms or concepts? How about this? From Australia, Daily Mail reports, there is a new push, get this, to rename body parts. I'm not making this up. To rename body parts like the Adam's apple and Achilles tendon because they are irrelevant and misogynistic. Yeah. Adam's, why call it the Adam's apple? <laughs> why call it that? Or Achilles heel, that's named after men. Not only is it irrelevant, but it's misogynistic. Ob- obvious. How did we miss that? How, pray tell, did we miss that? I'm just getting started. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. 866-348-7884 is the number to call. Okay, what we have to realize with the craziness of the cancel culture is, is that it is not just intimidating. It is not just extreme in terms of just wipe your, wipe your presence off the map if possible, hence the name cancel culture. But it's, it's violent. Not all of it is violent, but some of it is violent, and more of it will turn to violence because there's no reasoning with it. There's no logic. There's no sharing facts and information because this is a mindset and then no doubt when people get this radical and, and want to silence others, you, you give way to demonic spirits and all kinds of junk, and you may act even more irrationally. So uh, Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council has written about the number of church buildings that have been attacked in, in recent days. So he has an article on, on church buildings being set on fire. And, and in the article, he's saying, look, it's, it's historic Catholic churches, it's black gospel churches, uh, churches across the country being attacked, and it, it's, it's frightening to read. I mean, I knew this, I, I've, I've been following it, but, but reading through his articles, jarring. He, he says it looked like something out of a 2015 news report, a picture from ISIS maybe torching its way through Mosul. But the charred pews and collapsed roof were not the work of Islamic terrorists, but America's own. Last weekend, the rioters, the same ones who wanted us to believe their cause is justice, came for our churches using gasoline, lighters, gallons of paint, and vans to drive their message of destruction and chaos through the heart of America's faithful. This happened in so many different places. You think, okay, something here, something here is, is, is coordinated. It's not just random coincidence, and I believe some things will easily be traced back to the larger cancel culture, which, as I have been warning, along with the BLM movement, which we separate from the truth that black lives do matter, that the BLM movement will turn against the church. It is inevitable, and in certain cases, already happening. 
you, my friend, if you are a Bible-based follower of Jesus, are the last enemy to be conquered. You are the one that must be overthrown for radical social agenda to be carried out. If the agenda was truly biblical justice, then people would be standing with us and saying, hey, help lead the way. If the agenda was truly love your neighbor, then people would be looking to the church to help do it. But the agenda is very different than that. As for the violence, there was a stand with the police rally over the weekend. Michelle Malkin involved and protesters got themselves involved. I just want you to hear some of what sounds erupted from this peaceful rally to stand with police when some of the BLM and Antifa protesters got involved. Listen to what happened. Yep, those are the wonderful protesters standing for justice, standing against police brutality. What they're doing is muddying the waters. What they're doing is distracting from issues that do matter. What they're doing is using violence and intimidation to try to carry out what they think is righteous. There, were, there was a black policeman that went up to protesters in one city and said, you're, you're using all the tactics you accuse us of. What are you doing? And he's looking around and he's getting yelled at by white protesters. The white protesters using disorder and chaos to advance their cause, which is allegedly Black Lives Matter, yelling at the black man that's there. What kind of garbage and nonsense is that? But friends, that's what we are facing. And look, what you need to understand is this is part of a larger mindset and culture that has been building. It has been building in the universities. It's well documented. Building in the universities, building in children's schools, building in in, in other settings, building in corporate America where opposing views are forcefully oppressed. When many people wonder, what was the appeal of Donald Trump? You know, he's vulgar, he's this, he's that, he's got a checkered past. What's his appeal? A lot of his appeal was he was speaking up for the people that felt they lost their voice. There's white supremacy. It had nothing to do with white for the vast majority of people. It had to do with ideology. Here, look at this. Harvard University. <clears throat> are, are you ready for this? This is back from March. But, but listen to this. Harvard University, Harvard newspaper, finds 1% of faculty members identify as conservative. D- just chew on that. Chew on that. March 4th, 2020, Harvard newspaper survey finds 1% of faculty members identify as conservative. This was reported on the Washington Examiner. Harvard University student newspaper published the survey results on Tuesday of nearly 500 members of the faculty. That's a good cross-section of however many thousands of profs they have. 500 be a good cross-section. Of those who responded, 38% identified as very liberal, while 41% identified as liberal. Another 19% said they were moderate, and only 1.5% of the respondents said they were conservative or very conservative. 1.5%. So, I mean, you're, you're not even talking two 
out of 100 would identify as conservative or very conservative. That's the environment in which students are learning. That's the environment in which other professors come in. You, you want to get your tenure. You want to be accepted. You want to be recognized. You better keep your mouth shut. You, 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 you better zip it if you hold to biblically conservative views. You want to stu- you be a student there? You want to get ahead in the program? You, you want to be recommended? <laughs> keep your mouth shut. If you've got biblical stands, you are in big trouble. Harvard, one of the most prestigious universities on the planet. And, and Harvard may be a little more extreme than some, but this is not that uncommon. And out of all those surveyed, only three said they would vote for Trump. This is the ideology on the campus. And it's not just the ideology. is It is an oppressive, aggressive ideology. Oh, and, and, and some more news. <clears throat> How about this? Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's big national chain. There was a petition... 1,800 signatures, that's nothing for a big national chain. But, no, they're acting now. As I tweeted out, Trader Joe's will be eliminating, quote, racist packaging, such as Trader Ming's, for their Chinese packaging. So they'd have these different ethnic names for different ethnic foods or... So Trader Ming's for Chinese packaging. Well, I had to get a little sarcastic here in my tweet. I said, but they still don't get it. The company is so sexist with a name like Trader Joe's. So how patriarchal, how male-dominated. They should change the name to Trader Jane's. Uh, why not? Is this, is this, friends, is this any more crazy or radical or extreme than wanting to get rid of Adam's apple and Achilles' heel? Is, is this any more extreme than deplatforming someone because they question certain views on, on BLM movement and diversity? Or, or taking away someone's title earned title because they they posted all lives matter what friends this is why i'm urging you stand up speak out without shame let me say it again our goal is not to be troublemakers jesus says in matthew's matthew 5 blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called children of god and 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 hebrews 12 says live at peace with all men as, as much as it's possible and, and Romans 12 says that we don't get overcome with evil. We overcome evil with good. In other words, if, if we're attacked violently, the, the goal is not to be more violent, but to overcome that violence, to overcome that hatred with love and with the truth of the gospel. It doesn't mean we don't use self-defense, and certainly we appreciate police and law enforcement and all of that. Absolutely. But, but friends, <clears throat> Jesus said what you're told in secret, shout from the rooftops. Let the truth be heard. Let the truth be known. Let, let the message be proclaimed without fear. And, and yes, I am your voice, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution, your voice of moral clarity, and, and moral sanity and spiritual clarity. That, that's what I seek to be. I, I, I seek to understand what's important to you and to the Lord and articulate it with the great platforms we have, with radio, with TV, with, with intranet, with, with writing, with speaking, with everything we can do to get the message out. So I, I have a platform that you may not have to shout something out, all right? But you each have your own platform. You, you can, look, you just, if, if you think, wow, Dr. Brown, I like the way you said it, then share it. Share, share a link. Tell someone to tune in and watch. Tell them to download the podcast. Read the article. Help get the message out in that way. 
But friends, it's not just my voice, it's your voice. Let your voice be heard in your family, in the workplace, in the schools. Young people, time to stand. Because you back down, the pressure's only going to get more intense. And you'll find there are others who feel the same way you do. They just don't have the courage. When you speak up, they'll, they'll come privately and say, I agree with you. And then, okay, well, let's speak up together. All right, friends, if you want to help amplify our voice, if you're watching on the Ask Dr. Brown Facebook page, click on the Donate button. Your gift, whether it's a dollar or $100, helps us keep doing what we're doing. If you're watching on the Ask Dr. Brown YouTube channel, Right beneath the chat box, there's a dollar sign. Click on that. Your donations go a long way. And then online, askdrbrown.org. Click on Donate. Let me say again, together we're making a difference. We come back, some encouragement about the one human race. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on The Line of Fire. Hey, just a reminder, my new book, Evangelicals at the Crossroads, is available. It's been out for a few days now. In fact, I'm still waiting for my print copy. Yeah, and we're eager to get them in to send out to all those who pre-ordered through the ministry but I'm doing a lot of radio interviews on the book, and the more interviews I'm doing, the more relevant I know this book is, especially these next months heading into the election season and even beyond. So if you don't have it yet, you're able to get it. You can order it on Amazon, the paperback, or the ebook. Download the ebook, start reading instantly, or you can go to our website, askdrbrown, askdrbrown.org. The book Evangelicals at the Crossroads Will We Pass the Trump Test? All right, before we go to your calls, 866-34-TRUTH, I want to share something with you. One of the things that grieves me the most about racial tension in America is that where there wasn't tension, where there, <clears throat> where there was harmony before, now suddenly you're wondering about everybody. How are you looking at me? How, how am I looking at you? Uh, what are you thinking? What am I thinking? <clears throat> in other words, that race becomes an issue where it wasn't an issue. Now, there is no question that in many places in America, race still is an issue. I'm not denying that. And where race is an issue and when there is unequal treatment because of race, where that's genuinely happening, we need to address it. But for the most part, most of us have gotten along pretty well across racial lines, ethnic lines. <clears throat> for the most part, we're, we're happy to be in integrated settings and have friends that are from different races and different ethnicities. We work together in settings like that. I, I know not universally across America. Again, I'm not downplaying where racism does exist. But for the most part, I don't believe in our day-to-day -day interactions that, that we are deeply racist. So maybe I'm projecting from my own heart, my own relations, and, and the people that I know and work with. But... I was in the grocery store the other day, and suddenly I was I was just struck. It, it it didn't overwhelm me to the point of I had to you know run run out of the building and get on my face and and weep, but I was just struck with this with this realization and with this pain. 
It's, it's one race. I mean, diverse with all kinds of distinctives and backgrounds and cultures. And, and as I've traveled the world, that's one of the things I love most is being around believers from all different backgrounds and being in different cultures. And yeah, I don't understand the language and don't know a lot of what's going on, but just th that's part of the beauty and power of it. It's, it's, it's amazing for me to see and experience and very humbling. And, and you go in there as an American, to, to, not to teach everybody, look at what we're doing in great America, but to serve and, and to honor. And I just was so struck by it as, as I looked around the grocery and the, the gals that were helping as I was checking out. And, and I was just thinking, we're, we're one human race. We're one people. Look at what Paul said in Acts the 17th chapter. Paul is in Athens. He's on Mars Hill. And he, he stands in the middle of the Areopagus and says, Men of Athens, I see that in all ways you're very religious. For while I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore what you worship without knowing, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything, since he himself gives to everyone life and breath and all things. From one, talking about from one person, from, from Adam, from one he made every nation of men to live on the face of the earth, having set appointed times in the boundaries of their territory. They were to search for him and perhaps grope around for him and find him, yet he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, actually quoting from pagan poets as, as he's speaking there. But, but notice that from, from one he made every nation of men to live on the face of the earth. In a very deep and real way, it's, it's not just trite to say there's one race, the human race. It, it is truth. It is reality. We, we are a different species. We alone of all God's creation are created in his image. We alone have capacities and abilities that the rest of the, the created world does not have, the animal world and everything else. Even the lofty angels, as unique as they are, do not have the unique status that we do because Jesus died for us, and the Son of God came into this world as a human being for us, and we are fundamentally one race. We have different colors. We have different backgrounds. We have different customs. But what, what joins us together is, is infinitely more than what divides us. Look at what Paul wrote in Colossians, the third chapter. He's talking about pulling down carnal, fleshly strongholds in our lives. And then he says this, here in, in the body, among God's people, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, savage, slave and free, but Messiah is all and in all. I mean, this is a, a radical statement. I mean, the divisions between Greeks and Jews between the civilized and the uncivilized, between slave and free, massive divisions, Paul saying, in Jesus, we're one. And then look at what he writes in Galatians 3. This passage even better known than, than the one in Colossians 3. Galatians 3, 28, 29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Messiah Jesus. And if you belong to Messiah, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. I've been in India and been involved with friends where their wedding was very controversial. 
because it was the child of an untouchable family marrying the child of a high caste family. It's unthinkable. And yet in Jesus, they came together as, as one. I remember reading an account of a famous Russian professor who was an atheist. So he was a, a white atheist professor at a prestigious university. And he would get his shoes shined periodically by an uneducated black man that just worked the streets, and that's how he made his living, shining shoes. And at one point, this atheistic professor asks him, why is it that you have such joy in your life? Because this guy did not have it, didn't have a sense of purpose and destiny. And the, the shoe shine man tells him it's because of Jesus and shares the gospel with him, leading to this Russian atheist's salvation. You think, isn't that amazing? The lowly black man leads the exalted white man to salvation. The uneducated brings the message of salvation to the educated. Because, and then in Jesus, they become equal brothers, except the, the professor will be discipled by the shoeshine guy. The barriers are broken down. Let me say this again. This is not an excuse to ignore racism where it does exist. This is not an excuse to stop us from confronting injustice. But it is to say that when we keep making race the issue, race the issue, race the issue, race the issue, now we create a bigger problem. What we need to do is emphasize our common humanity. What we need to do is emphasize our uniqueness as created in God's image. What we need to do is cultivate unity within the body and intentionally cross ethnic and racial lines to work together and show solidarity as one and honor one another and serve one another and set an example for a watching world. That's what we need to do. If, if everything we look at is race, 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 then we're going to create more racial tension. If, if what we do instead is honor one another, serve one another, love one another, bless one another, and celebrate our differences and celebrate our diversity, and say, hey, that, that, wow, you're into this, I'm into this. Boy, in my culture, that is so different than yours. And, and, and you're amazed by the diversity and the beauty of it. And, and, and you don't have to make everybody the same. You can have your different tastes and your different styles. You know, uh, look, as I've traveled the world with, I just counted the other day, because I knew it roughly in my head, but like 160-something overseas trips and then total times out of the U.S., like Canada, Mexico, you added maybe a couple hundred times. But I've been in a lot of different cultures. I remember one time in India being out in a village in a hut and thinking, this is, I've seen National Geographic uh, shows, you know, documentaries about this kind of, I mean, this was so far out. And yet we, we begin to open the Word and the Holy Spirit begins to move and you just have that commonality in the Lord even when you can't speak the language, that, that, that deep sense of commonality. And then you realize, hey, it's not just the way we do it in America. I, I was speaking at a, a famous, one of the most famous black megachurches in America some years ago, and it was a Sunday morning, and I have never in my life seen outfits and hats like that. I was like, whoa! And it was part of the culture, and it was dressing up for the Lord. 
I'm sure you have someone that's carnal, you know, just like someone comes in another setting and it's, you know, the more casual you look, the, the more spiritual you are, you get carnality there. You know, but it was, I was just different. And I've been in plenty of black gospel churches over the years, plenty, plenty, plenty. And, and, and always had a special appreciation kind of just for whatever reason as a Jew feeling a commonality with my black friends because of b- being minorities that were persecuted and hated and, and enslaved and all of this. And then as a drummer, you know, clapping on the upbeat and all I, I enjoyed that. Just kind of felt like a certain soul connection for whatever it's worth. But I'd never, I thought, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. And I just, I sat and enjoyed the difference in culture. You know, and I was in another prestigious black megachurch and fine, fine pastor, wonderful man of God. And, and uh, before I preached, they, the, the choir did a special song and one sister Boy, did she belt it out. I mean, it's one of those things you're waiting for your eyeglasses to shatter with these notes. And I got up, I said, they don't hit notes like that in white church. I mean, we laughed. It's like, this diversity, we're different. We, we do things differently, we, but, but we're one in the Lord. So uh, let me say it once more. This is not trying to blur things. Now, now you're just trying to blur everything over to ignore real issues. No, no, no. Let's focus on the issues that are there, but let's not make race the issue all the time. Let's cultivate our unity. Let's celebrate our distinctives. Let's learn from each other. Let's honor each other. And then together, let's combat injustice. Together, let's expose racism. Together, with our diversity and different takes, even on politics and other things, let's stand together and say, Jesus is the one who unites us. God is the one who created us. We are one race, the human race. Let that be the reality. With that, we can really fight racism and injustice. All right, going to come back and take your calls. In fact, going to open up the phones. Any subject under the sun you want to talk to you about the last few minutes, phone lines are open, 866-348-7884. Next, it's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey, friends. You may not have seen my article that went up, oh, let's see, Sunday, when was that? Sunday, July 19th. Uh, You may have missed that article, which is, Sin is the Problem and the Gospel is the Solution. We, we have to get back to that. We have to get back to that. We have to get back to that. There, there, there is no other. Here, four more years of Trump, is that going to save America? Four years of someone else, is that going to do it? Oh, there may be important things that happen as a result of the election. I'm not downplaying that. But are they going to solve our deepest problems? Are they going to come anywhere near our deepest problems? Are they going to even focus on the things that are, that are destroying our culture? Not a chance. So, yeah, we vote. Vote's important. But far, far, far more important is our witness and our effectiveness bringing the gospel to our communities and living as believers. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Troy in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Thanks for holding, and welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, welcome. You know, it's good to be part of God's uh, only race, the human race. Um, you know, my desire would be to see... God sweep this nation with an ambassador for Christ movement 
to let clean hand Christians, spirit filled Christians, just really go to town for the glory of God and start professing Jesus. And, you know, I think the motive would be, you know, the message would be repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. You know, and God's judgment is going to fall. He's going to clean house. Um, you know, it's, it's inevitable. It's in, you know, it's in his word. He said he will, and, you know, it's not going to return void. Um, but my, my question for you, um, I've been studying God's personality, and I was very encouraged uh, studying when he destroyed uh, or the angels of the Lord came and destroyed Sodom. Um, Lot lingered in that, in that city, and the angels grabbed Lot by the hand, his wife by the hand, and his two daughters by the hand, and escorted them out before the destruction. I was very uh, encouraged by that. My question is, did something similar happen to that effect when Moses enacted God's power uh, of God when God uh, uh, enacted the plagues on Pharaoh in Egypt? Uh, did that same situation may have duplicated I'm, I'm just studying God, trying to learn God's personality on this. And yeah, he, 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 yeah, Troy, he, he loves to show mercy. Uh, it, it says about God in, in, in Micah, the seventh chapter, one of the lines about him in Hebrew, because he delights in showing mercy. And there's a different word for mercy that's used there in Genesis 19, but the, the mercy of the Lord is, 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 is displayed directly as, Lot and there's destruction comes. You got to get out of here. You got and and his sons-in-law were just mocking. Just ah, you're joking. It's not real. Come on. So they ignored the warning and died. Yeah. So God is constantly offering opportunities. Jesus says in Matthew 23 to Jerusalem because judgment's about to come. He said, "How often I long to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing." And then in Second Peter three. It, it says that, that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he is so long-suffering and, and delaying judgment. We see in Genesis 15 that before the children of Israel could take the promised land, they had to wait 400 years, some of that time, some of those centuries, suffering in slavery in Egypt because the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet complete, meaning it had to get to a certain level before God would say, all right, you have to be judged and dealt with. So the idea of the God of the Bible just being kind of cavalier, like, oh, you jerk, push, it's like another flock, disobedient human, get him, get Christ, up, there. and the angel's just looking who did something wrong, just get him, kill him. If that was the case, the human race would have been fully extinct, extinguished, destroyed, demolished, every last one of us, gone a long time ago. So we, we stand every day, we breathe by the mercy and grace of God. Specifically in Exodus, though, it doesn't mention anything like that, where, where God reached out for the straggler and showed exceptional mercy. But the warnings were overwhelmingly clear, so clear that people got it. The Israelites got it, and they realized, okay, if, if we stay over here, we're safe. We go over there, we're in trouble. And it was just self-evident. Don't go where the judgment is. Stay where it's safe. And John prayed this, excuse me, Jesus in John 17 prayed this, for, for the disciples, for his apostles. He said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So God can keep us, preserve us safely in the midst of an evil and wicked world. And it's, it's by his mercy. Hey, thank you. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Isaac in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the line of fire. 
Hey, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. You have sure thing. Uh, been a blessing to the body of Christ and specifically in my life, so I just want to thank you for everything you do and always speaking with clarity. So thank you so much. You are very welcome. I have a quick question for you. I'm reading your book right now, Revolution, mm-hmm. and it's a fantastic book, first of all, uh, going through it a second time. And so the question I have is in light of one of the steps that you uh, outlined towards the end of the book, mm-hmm. uh, which is keep the goal in clear view, identify the purpose of our spiritual battle and focus of the en- battle and focus of the enemy that we must combat. So the question I have is, who is the enemy in our current context, or are we just looking at any system that stands against the supremacy of Christ? I guess yes. the question I want to know is, how broad do, am I supposed to be, or how specific should I be? Well, it's yeah, Isaac, it's, it's a great question, and it's, it's kind of a both-and answer. So in my book, Revolution, which is a call for a nonviolent resistance, a call to put down the sword and take up the cross, it's not talking about military issues, not talking about self-defense, it's talking about the advance of the gospel, how we live. So there are strategies, basic strategies, basic philosophies, and, and one of them is, is to keep our goals in mind and, and to understand the enemy that we're opposing. So it, it's, it's macro and it's micro. On a macro level, Isaac, the systems that set themselves against God, be it like I mentioned earlier in the show, Harvard University, where where only one and a half percent of faculty that responded to a survey identified as conservative or very conservative. So there is a radical liberal ideology there that will be hostile to to biblical values, hostile to our views of God, hostile to our, our conservative values that come from Scripture. So we are, we are fighting a mentality in the society, a God-mocking mentality, uh, a mentality that wants to brand us a certain way or put everyone in, in, a, in a column. If you're a conservative Christian, then you are just like all the Trump supporters, and Trump is a white supremacist and racist, and therefore you are, and just try to silence by intimidation and, and guilt by association and things like that. So, so they're the, the larger systems that we're dealing with, the, the Marxist BLM movement and, and what it's seeking to do with the cancel culture and all of that. So we must stand and speak. We must consciously say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And whatever situation you're in, you might be in one where it, there's a lot of intimidation in the workplace, in the, in, in the classroom, uh, in the church denominational setting. So you've got to renew your mind every day. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The message we have is a message of life and, and transformation, and, 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 and the message of the world leads to destruction and death. So the larger, not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of the gospel, refuse to back down to the silence and cancel culture. On the flip side, on the flip side is, is this, that you are in a specific situation maybe fighting a battle for truth in your church denomination, maybe looking to raise up uh, godly businessmen in in your community, maybe looking to start a student movement in in your school, Uh, whatever it is, what's the specific situation in which you find yourself? What, what, What are the things you are confronting most? Is it just your circle and social media? Who is opposing the gospel there? 
who who is trying to shut down the message there who is advocating for another message that is in fact a destructive message you want to push back against that so on the macro level it is it is the systems of this age that are seeking to silence and crush the good news and intimidate God's people in the micro level wherever we find ourselves could be your Facebook page and and it could be those who have radical anti-god ideologies there that that's where the revolution is being played out and and then more personally Isaac and for everyone else watching and listening what's your area of burden what do you feel called to 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 advance is it part of the pro-life movement is it in caring for the poor is it in in missions work in street evangelism what is it where you need to make a difference and opposition comes against that that has to be overcome and a lot of times the opposition is in our own head our own heart our own mind and by god's grace we overcome may the lord give you boldness and strength isaac and uh hey tell you what i want to do it's going to be a little ways out uh howard get isaac's info we have a new edition of the revolution book coming out the 20th anniversary of the initial publication the new edition of revolution coming out in october we're doing the final editing now i want to send you that as a gift as you're going through this the second time uh, i want to send you this first time this will go out to anyone we won't have it for a few months so howard just jot this down revolution book new edition to isaac so isaac stay there howard is going to get your contact info and we'll mail that to you as our gift and say on with the revolution friends that's why we're here that's why we're on the air that's why we're doing what we're doing to be your voice of moral cultural spiritual revolution starts with prayer repentance holy living preaching of the gospel being disciples making disciples now is our time god bless you Change the world.